Hello and welcome once again to Out to Lunch, the place where stunning food oils the wheels of conversation. Today I am talking to a South East London rapper, broadcaster and entrepreneur. He's the most successful British rap artist in UK chart history and the first to reach platinum sales status with his US debut single, Written in the Stars. His single, Pass Out, won an Ivan Novello and was recently named BBC One Extra's favourite track of the past 20 years. He's also won multiple MOBOs and Brit Awards, but it doesn't stop there. My guest has his own record label, he's toured with Rihanna, been on the pyramid stage with Snooper Glastonbury and made three studio albums. He's also a prominent figure in British fashion and has been named Best Dressed Man by GQ magazine. He's into property, he's a design enthusiast presenting extraordinary extensions for Channel 4 and it won't surprise you to know that he's now moved into food. And while he may have dropped the word temper from his name, well he knows how to talk up a storm. It's the multi-talented Tiny. Who's on the mic right now? Jay Rayner. I'm gonna come right here, Jay Rayner. For this episode of Out to Lunch, I'm in London's Shoreditch uh, by a restaurant called Manteca. It opened in November of 2021 or thereabouts, um, although it had, had pop-ups and residences all over London. It's a kind of Italian nose-to-tail place. Gutsy, big flavours, massive. When I reviewed it, I loved it and I like introducing other people to it. And today, I get to introduce Tiny to it. We have a table downstairs. How are you doing, Jay? Very well. Pleasure to meet you, my friend. Good to meet you. Yes, man. Have a seat. Lovely. This is Jessica. Yes. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Nice to meet you. You all right? Thank you. Thank you. Do I some water? I would, some still water. I think it's fair to say you're in one of the hottest restaurants in London right yeah. now. Yeah, do you know what? How long has it been here? Because November. Uh, oh, since November. Wow. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've spent quite a lot of time in this Shoreditch Hackney area. It's great, it's great to be here. Brilliant. We'll have a look and I'll yeah, sure. come back to you. I was thinking. Yes. Looking for points of connection. Go for it. Between yeah. You, yeah. Tiny, yeah. and me, a white middle-aged, 55-year-old bloke. You're a bit jazz, surprised. Jazz musician. Well, I don't think I will. And I realised <laughs> that one of the, the clearest first points of connection mm -hmm. is the noble chicken chain Morley's. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your experiences, Jake. Well, you know, I've got a couple of sons. I live in South London. I live in Brixton. Lovely. Um, Beautiful in, part of London. In fact, um, the video of Not Letting Go, mm -hmm. Uh, you could have stopped at my house for a cup of tea between the two sites by the Dexter's Adventure Playground yep. and the Lido in Brockwell Park. That's a real point of connection, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. literally, that video is shot, you know, near my house. Explain to anybody who doesn't know what Morley's is. So, Morley's is like the, the chicken shop for the people, um, especially if you're a South Londoner. Every, depending on where you live in London, north, east, south, west, everywhere will have their kind of staple chicken shop. So I'm not going to act like I know mm. all of them, but I know that northwest um, is like Sam's Chicken. I know that you can access perfect fried chicken in certain places, but for south London and south, east, west specifically, you get Morley's. And Morley's is um, Kind of looks a little bit like a KFC ripoff, a little bit from the outside. Although it isn't, we must say that. Although it isn't, yeah, although it isn't. Once you get inside, you realise that it's so much more and that it kind of has this identity of its own, this flavour of its own, and this culture of its own. Yeah, I think the culture thing's really interesting because I've always thought of them as third spaces. Yeah, where where people go out and hang out. Yeah, literally. There's a... Congregate. A, a new exhibition has opened inside. Do you know about the Museum of Migration in no. Lewisham? No, I do not. Well, it's a... 
what it sounds like. And they've done this exhibition on business leaders who were immigrants to the UK. Mm -hmm. And there's Amazing. a whole wall about Morley's. I need to go and see that. Celebrating what they are. I should say, we are in a private dining room, mm -hmm. but we are in quite a noisy private dining room for the microphone. So yeah. occasionally, you'll hear they have wines on tap. I'll do that. Oh, yeah, okay. here it goes. Is it going now? Yeah, and you, you, <laughs> you will set just, that up. Uh, did no, that I didn't. Um, and eventually, when it stops, <laughs> there's a hiss as they release the. Uh, there you there go. We go. It's like a train coming in. So every now and then, that's what you'll hear. Well, what's, the, what's that um, thing? Is it ASMR or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit of that for the. Did you feel listeners. a tingle? Did yeah. Did you get a tingle? Yeah, I felt a little, little bit of butterflies, I think. Thank you very much. Some pasta scraps, so in the meantime, you can enjoy it. Amazing. Do you want yeah. some, Jay? Well, you start. Yeah, you cheers, man. Um, I'll tell you what, try and have a, a look at this menu and come up with a list of things. Um, okay. This uh, lamb caught sea bass crudo looks really good. The new season asparagus looks amazing. The miso roasted cabbage even sounds interesting as well. Oh. So why don't we do that as a kind of first round? Yeah. Um, do you do pasta? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let's say the... The rigatoni with the kale sauce, chili, and parmesan. That sounds pretty good. Which size would you like to get? Do you know what? Let's get two large. One of yeah. those and one of the fazoletti, yeah. which is with a duck ragu. Ooh. Trust I've me. never tried fazoletti before. It's like a really broad ribbon. Okay. Ribbon pasta, nice. Yeah. Okay. And this Angus beef um, also looks pretty good. Yeah, so let's get one of the skirt as well. So we're going three rounds by yeah. the sounds of things. That sounds um, With some of the roasted potatoes. Yeah. Would you like some greens as well? Yeah, do you have seasonal greens? Yeah. Any, yeah, perfect. Brilliant. When you were growing up, because you were, until you were 12, you were in on the Peckham Estate? Yeah, I was on the Peckham Estate. So South London are born and bred. And then after 12, my parents decided that Peckham at the time was too violent for raising their four kids. And so decided to move a little bit more into the suburbs. And we settled in a place called Plumstead next to Woolwich. Your folks, they were immigrants from Nigeria? Yes, correct. And the, the immigrant culture is sort of get on, move on, move up. Yeah. What were they telling you they wanted you to do? If you're not a doctor, a lawyer... And Dr Dre doesn't count, does Dr it? Dre doesn't <laughs> count, Jay. It doesn't count. I thought that, you know, I thought maybe, but no. I was 12. I somehow, at that age, decided I wanted to be a rapper. Did you announce at any point to your, to your parents? Yeah. Mom, Dad, I know what I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but, but you yeah. know, in all fairness, it would probably be the same way that, like, a Gen Z that's 12 right now would say, Mom or Dad, I want to be, like, an influencer or a gamer. That would be this potential vehicle to kind of rocket launch you into this new existence, this new kind of socio-economic life with this new lifestyle being able to like so you were looking at the lifestyle as much as yeah i was looking at the lifestyle and the way out as much as i'm actually talented at this and i think i could do this at a very high level which was also it was kind of 50 50 between the two when did you first started doing stuff rapping what a production so when i was 16 there was this diy tv channel on sky and it was called Channel U at the time. I think it's called Channel AKA now. Send us some money with your video, and if you're lucky, we'll get it on. So I'd basically done one of these videos, and it done really well there. So Which track was that? It was a song called Wifey. Right. Wifey is really cute. Thank you. It's a really sweet song by, as you say, you were 16 and 17, and mm -hmm. you're pretty much telling a particular girl. I love her. You love her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Within rap and grime, more specifically, which it was at the time, the lyrics were primarily 
constructed in, in kind of like eight bar verses, if not 16 bar verses, mostly like one line flows. So you'd say the same thing at the end. So who's on the mic right now? Jay Rayner, I'm gonna come right here. Jay Rayner, it was a, It was very kind of um, elementary to a certain degree. Not all of it, obviously there was some incredible poets, incredible lyricists, yeah, but yeah. within grime and the energy of grime, you know, live to get, you know, the DJ to wheel up the song essentially, which is what we'd say, reload the song. This is not what my spirit necessarily connects with. Like, instead of the, on the block with all my mates, I'd much rather be with some girl experiencing Greenwich Park, going through some woods, finding something new and having this nice intimate moment. And it just so happened that, that that's what on an underground level resonated with a lot of people. Wait, 2006 Wifey happens, becomes an underground hit. And then 2010, it all explodes. Four years. Yeah. I mean, the life of a young man as you were, that's a very long time. Very long time, yeah. You What's know. the moment for you when things start to change? Um, you signed to Parlophone in 2009. 2009 yeah. yeah. Signed to Parlophone in 2009. Um, I would say prior, just prior to that, so I made a mixtape called Hood Economics. Um, I read a little bit on Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, and I don't know how this ties into grime music, but I was kind of like... <laughs> I mean, it should be said for anybody who doesn't know, Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, is yeah. pretty much the ideological underpinning of the whole of capitalism. Capitalism, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, he basically taught me how to become more of a capitalist or have a cap, more of a capitalistic way of thinking. Where I come from, there's this big saying of, like, crabs in the barrel, right? So loads of people trying to climb out, and then as you climb out, someone pulls you back down. So for me, this was the antithesis of it, which is basically... Go, just go, go as far as you can. This is what I got from it. I'm obviously clearly paraphrasing because it's not how it was written, but just do <laughs> I'm, your I'm thing. I'm loving this. I, I yeah. want to paraphrase the wealth of nations of by course. Adam Smith. Yeah, do, do your thing. Think of your pursuits in a kind of like single-minded way. Once you achieve success or once you have reaped the rewards, your the other people in your community, in your society will see what you've done and that will encourage them and motivate them to do more. And then, and then it, it inspired me to make this mixtape called Hood Economics, where basically I was gonna adopt the hood version of this, like the street version, where, okay, we're all trying to figure out how to make it out of this, like, trap, uh, ghetto, be a catalyst for some sort of reaction. That was basically the narrative of the mixtape. That did quite well, and then it went from there. Sebas Crudo with wow. some fennel, cucumber, great. Thank lemon, you very much. and olive oil. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, even though some of my family was in, in There's more coming, just because it's quite a small <laughs> dish. <laughs> it, looks, it looks very pretty, though. It this does look nice. very pretty. Yeah. yeah. There's this moment in 2010 at Glastonbury. Yeah. You're on stage with Snoop Dogg. I am, yeah. Now, that must have been pretty full on, because I'm imagining, given how long Snoop Dogg has been around, yeah. Is he Snoop Dogg? Is he, what is he at the moment? He changed. He was, he was a lion, then he changed back to a dog, I think. But the artist always known as Snoop. Yeah. How about if I describe that? Exactly. Someone you must have been listening to since you were knee high. Absolutely. Was that the point that you felt, this is it, I'm, I'm finally arrived, or was it just part of the journey of that one? It was, it was such a high point in my life at that time, but it, I wouldn't say it was the this is it. It was probably one of the most surreal moments in my life. For me, it was always, it just felt like, oh, this is the beginning of it, yes. Like, this is the beginning? Yeah, this is the beginning. All right, it's on now, yeah, okay. I'm on stage with Snoop. We're, we're on the pyramid stage, Glastonbury 2010, one song in. Okay, all right, this is it, yeah. 
here we go. That's kind of what, what, what my mind was like. One second, Selena, were you, am I right that you were there? Yeah, I was at the back. Oi, oi, Selena! Oi, oi! Yeah, it was such a, such a surreal moment. How was it looking out at a crowd that size? No, I had never seen a crowd that size in my life. At that point in 2010, had you already started to think about other ventures? I mean, I know that you were helping other artists, producing all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but... the only thing, like you said, Jay, is just, um, yeah, just a wider kind of like record label infrastructure, that sort of thing. That, that was as far as, it, uh, as, as I was thinking at the time. Thank you very much. So, so we've now got the asparagus, which Ooh. they look pretty, don't they? Yeah, very pretty. Very green as well. Wow. Very, very properly green mm -hmm. asparagus. Mm -hmm. As food has now arrived, yeah. I am interested in your relationship with food because it is not casual, yours. Mm -mm. I think you're, I mean, I'm, this is a very grand question. I was kind of interested as to why you w wanted to do this. I'm not going to lie. I went on your Spotify yeah. and I looked at um, all of your out to lunches. And I was, I was very impressed. <laughs> okay. I was very impressed to say the least. And I was like, you know what? Even though I feel like raps and, and what I've been working on in the food space yep. isn't necessarily of this sort of like fine dining kind of aesthetic, um, it would just be amazing to talk to you. But food, as I say, it's, it's clearly the thing. You've mentioned it, wraps, which mm -hmm. is your chicken brand available via Deliveroo, yep. from a number of kitchens around London, isn't it? Yep, yep, that's how we're moving, that's yep. how we're starting. I had it on Friday night. Mm, wicked, what did you think? I really liked it. Good. I thought you'd made some very idiosyncratic choices. Mm. Um, because, let's be clear, there is an awful lot of chicken offered on Deliveroo yes, at the moment. Yes, there is, yes, there is. Particularly in the Brixton area. Uh, <laughs> let's be absolutely I think clear. it's the most popular food, isn't it, on Deliveroo? It's the yeah, number I one, think, yeah. I think it is. And then pizza second. But it was things like, um, and it's raps, R-A-P-S. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what you did. the pun, double entendre, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the choices, we're gonna get really granular here. Mm -hmm. uh, the pickles, mm -hmm. which is shaved fennel, yeah. rather than what people necessarily associate, like gherkins or mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. The coleslaw, and yeah. there's an awful lot of coleslaw out there. Yours is stuffed full of fresh green herbs. A little herbs. bit more fancy, yeah. yeah. It's coriander and dill in there and things yeah. like that. Why did you want to do this? Food, like you said, is a big part of uh, culture in general, big part of British culture, but also a big part of like African culture. It just, it just really is. Yeah, when you were growing up, was it all jollof rice? Yeah, and... lots. Come on, Jay. You know, like lots of jollof rice, lots of um, assorted meat stew. Did you do um, Nigerian barbecue, which a mate of mine is? Yeah, soya. So yeah, we did all of that. Still do, and then um, cl very close to the Caribbean community. So of course, sure. experiencing lots of jerk and this and that, and so just having a great relationship relationship with food, um, like I've explained to a lot of people, our first step in entrepreneurialism usually within our kind of like work, when I'm thinking of the working class environment I grew up in, would be to go and set up a restaurant. It was always in the back of my mind that when I got the opportunity, I would want to do something food related. The guy who I am in business with for raps, he has this business called Kitchen Ventures, but not only that, he has um, a restaurant called The Rum Kitchen, which oh, yeah. is also in Brixton. Yeah, I know. So, at the top of the pandemic, he reached out to me and he was like, um, I've gone into the dark kitchen business. Would you like to work on one together? I could have sat down, if I was a different, if I was wired a different way, I could have probably just sat in my studio. But my brain 
were still moving at 100 miles per hour when everything had stopped. So all the other things that I'd always wanted to do, this was like a perfect opportunity. So Johnny reached out about creating a concept. I was like, you know what? I've got a concept in my head already. It's called Raps. Like, let's, let's, let's work on this. We worked with this incredible chef called Big Hass. So when you're talking about all the details and the way that the, the pickle selection is presented and the coleslaw, I would almost just spew stuff out and then he would be the one that would like make it all beautiful and contextualize it all. Did you enjoy the process? Loved it. Again, height of the pandemic, lucky I was able to go to some of Johnny's restaurants. He would secretly open them. We'd go in, we'd have access to the kitchen. Big Hass would be coming out of the kitchen and bringing out different things. We'd all be trying it. Mm, no, you need to add a little bit more tomato in this. Mm, less pickle in this, changed it. It was so fun. So here we go, fazzoletti with duck ragu. Lovely, that looks and great. And here our pasta vegetarian with queso, chili on the side in parmesan. Looks so yeah. good. Enjoy. Thank so you. it looks a bit like a rigatoni and it's yes. extraordinarily green. Yeah, everything is so green here. All the green is really green. How are you guys doing that? <laughs> wow. And now, as you say, all this other stuff is going on. Mm -hmm. What's driving it? Because um, you don't seem to say no to anything. And I really admire that. Yeah. You know, you do a TV series on uh, portrait painting. Mm -hmm. The fashion industry stuff is really intriguing. We should get into that. Yeah, we will. Food all over my territory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you ever do you ever think to yourself, oh, I can't do that because I don't have the skill set? Does that thought never occur to you? Never. But for me, to be honest with you, Jay, it's just as a human being, I want to fulfill. I want to like leave this earth hopefully in a hundred years or whatever like or when i'm yeah, that's a reason or whatever died yeah. 133 or whatever yeah that's... yeah i mean who knows technology you know no. I, I see what all these billionaires are trying to do now with their trying to preserve their lives and stuff you never know but um for me i want to i want to go knowing that i fulfilled my absolute full potential as a human being my full potential in every way possible that for me is like for me, the pinnacle of existence. That's the way I think I'd be able to like sleep at night, knowing that there was nothing else left in the tank. You did every single thing that you could do. Again, to put everything into context, when you come from where I've come from, which is a stark opposite place to where you yeah. come from, you don't have many people saying, ah, oh, would you be up for this? For me, every opportunity that's come my way, I haven't said yes to every opportunity, but the things that I resonate with, the things that I believe in, the things that I feel confident with, if it makes sense, why am I saying no? Do you get what I mean? Why? Then I'm going to have to ask you, what have you said no to? I've definitely turned down loads of things. Sometimes I've turned down things even stupidly just because I've been so busy and been so tired. Like, again, what I had once, someone pulled out of a festival um, uh, I won't say which festival it was, and they were like, oh, we want to give you, because they pulled out last, last minute, we want to give you, like, half a million. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah. just waving at you to get the number out of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, half a million to, to, to headline it, and I was like, no, nah, I'm busy, I can't, I can't do it. Or, or I said something stupid like, no, because they, they pulled out, so I'm not a true headline. Did you come over a bit grand then? Kind um, of a bit ego, uh, uh, unless, you, unless I am your, your first choice, I'm not doing it. In, in the last decade, 
Remember, I've I've matured from like being 21 years old to like however however I'm old, however old I am now. In the last decade, now I find myself in so many surreal environments and spaces where there's people that, and this is no disrespect to them. This is with the utmost respect, yeah. Where there's people with like generational, generational, generational wealth or privilege, or their parent was this person, their parent was that person. Some of them have this incredible story that most people are interested in. But actually, when you're in that room, like, most people are not interested in that story anymore. Someone was giving me an example the other day. There's the Himalayas, yeah, and you can, me and you could call a guy and he could get, get a helicopter and take us up there, right? Okay. And me and you would land on, on the peak of it and we'd have all our gear and we'd take a selfie, right? Tiny and Jay, Himalayas. Bang, take that. Then there's this other guy. But do you know what's different about this other guy? This he other, climbed. He climbed it. <laughs> exactly. He climbed it. And so no matter how many places we go to and we're like, look at the picture of us at the peak of the Himalayas, when he walks into the room, his story's always going to be more interesting. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Not tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. All right, two other things I've got to ask you about. Mm -hmm. Clothes, okay. fashion. Yes. What's the interest? I mean, you're, you are dressed fine today. I mean, I mean very fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's a bright orange <laughs> yeah, sweatshirt. Sweatshirt, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, What's on the front? It says Daily Paper. They're like a Dutch brand, actually. Well, when you step out, you've got to look good, innit? You've got to feel good. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a black kid from like an inner city council estate like we had we had things and, and and ideologies and principles like your Sunday best do you get what I mean being yeah. able to go to school I don't know with like an iron shirt and like the way my mum would make us iron our shirts the night before like taking pride in your appearance was always like a big thing um, in my, my household do you still iron culture. your own shirts yes I take great a pleasure in that actually Quite therapeutic, it's it relaxing, yeah, I love it. I think it's a combination of wanting to stand out from my age group that I was performing to, the kind of inherent nature that <clears throat> you will be profiled as a black person wherever you go, yeah. in any establishment. Even the other day I was in Venice, I was in Venice for the Venice Biennale. I don't even want to tell you what I think I heard somebody say. Like I, was I can in, imagine. Yeah, I was in one of the poshest restaurants in Venice, hoodie, denim jacket, and pink jeans, right? But it should be clear, in the middle of the biggest contemporary art exhibition yeah, the world has, exactly. the Venice Biennale, yeah, 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 when it's not a joke. everybody comes from everywhere. Exactly. You're and not a freak in that world. Exact. thank you, bro. And everyone is creative and expressive, exactly. He may not have said what I think he said, but 
if he did, and I'm just going to spare the, the, the people listening from because I might be wrong, but if he did, I'm an artist, I'm fully confident in myself, I'm accomplished, so it was no skin off my nose. But I dread to think if you were just like, I don't know, you lived there or you, you know, you were just going there on holiday with your family, just trying to get on with your life and you heard somebody make such a snide remark about you or your appearance and their perception of who you might be, where you might be from because of that, how it would make you feel, like it would crush you, it would knock your confidence. Yeah, for me, I think appearance is important and I think actually, depending on what, where you're from and, and your race and what you have been through, I think appearance is even more important. Obviously, taking this all back to fashion, I just feel like fashion has been an ama um, a great way to express myself and show people like higher taste levels. I do think it's quite unfortunate now, again, like looking at things deeper that, and, and I understand also why, but I do think it's unfortunate that a lot of the fashion is European fashion. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's unfortunate that there is a kind of um, psychological, thing whereby regardless of where you're from even if you're European yourself you know there are certain items that are status symbols that if you have it you exude I don't know you might be in the south of France somewhere Jade you get what I mean and if you have on a certain watch or yeah, yeah. you're wearing like a certain satchel a certain eyewear brand, people go, oh yeah, you know, when you go into that, your favorite restaurant that you love, they go, oh, Jay, da, 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 da. and it works. Like we all, there's, there's always things like that. But for me, I think it's unfortunate that it's just purely European fashion, because obviously when you're not European, it can give one a complex of like, okay, I have to aspire to all of these things. And hopefully one day that will change. But yes, to fast forward, Definitely fashion was a combination of standing out from the crowd um, and also just trying to show people my taste levels in a different way. What about the taxidermy? So the taxidermy, <laughs> I, I basically I basically came into it. You know, this is my own, this is the little bit of inheritance or luck that I found. And I know lots of people have different opinions on taxidermy, but mate. I'm here for it. You know what? <laughs> and I, I didn't put it there, mate. It was Alexander McQueen. I was- All right, so let's explain. You bought the, the house that yeah. was the late Alexander McQueen's. And so was, were the stuffed animals already in there? Yeah, they were already in there. Well, one was already in there. I got another one. All right, okay. Yeah. So it came with the house? Yeah, it came with the house. Which was yeah. the one that came with the house? Um, a giraffe. Like two meter long giraffe head and then he designed this um, incredible like light fitting um, structure which was made of like tusks and horns and all of this stuff so that all came with the house and they wanted to actually get rid of it and I was like if you get rid of it I'm not gonna buy the house so that's a, a reasonable encouragement have you met Darren Brown ever who has also been a guest on this fine podcast no I think you should he's okay. got an enormous taxidermy collection is it I'd love yeah. to he seems like he would have an enormous taxidermy <laughs> collection but I would love to I'd love to meet him I think maybe I've met Dynamo does that count that doesn't count did he do good magic for you he did great magic for me did he yeah we used to be neighbours actually in Hampstead actually he you was, and Dynamo yeah that's kind of a stellar street isn't it yeah it's that's, that's good fun, good yeah. fun on the high street. People used to get a good eye for. Excellent. I'm sorry, should I clear the table? Are you ready for the next course? You, we've ordered a steak as well. You're still going. Well, I'll tell you what, do you want some more of these? Mm -hmm. The meat. This is really yeah. good, really good, by the way. Thanks. So leave that one. Yeah, sure. Thank you. We've recently lost Jamal Edwards. Yeah. Um, and we're also Virgil. Yeah, um, Abloh, yeah. And, and loads of people, Skibbity, too many to, to mention. I'll probably forget. 
DMX not too long. Did he, ago. I, I'm imagining that you felt the loss of Jamal Edwards very strongly. Absolutely, yeah. Was he significant in getting your music out there? Yeah, everyone from my generation, kind of onwards, he was significant. Um, my music was already out there beforehand, but Jamal's platform, SBTV, was so instrumental to so many people's careers. Does the loss of them, far too young, I mean, these guys in their 30s. Yeah. Did that give you pause for thought? It definitely makes you question your mortality when you see people that are near enough to same age as you and younger, like Jamal, you know, God rest his soul, is younger than me. Yeah, it's definitely very humbling and obviously condolences to his family. I've, I've already kind of tweeted um, and expressed how I feel about the whole thing. But yeah, I, I'm guessing it's like anyone at any age. It just makes you think about your life and it makes you, I guess, grateful to feel grateful to, for, for what you do have and, 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 you know, some certain things that you take for granted every single day. And me being one of those people that is constantly trying to fulfil my potential and think, what could I be doing better? Uh, be humble and just be kind and work hard. And, and I, I think that's the other point, just being kind. When you see, again, where he'd come from, and obviously, I would say no, by no means in a way like you, but he had also come from a bit of privilege in the sense that his mum was, I think his mum is on Loose Women or she, yeah. yeah. So his mum was already kind of in the media space uh, from before. But what really struck me is just everyone's testimony of Jamal and like, Everyone yeah, he was from, a lovely guy. Yeah, just so consistently, just so consistently and so much for people and so much about trying to help people and elevate people. And it's beautiful and it just made me think, or I'm sure it should make anyone think, when you go, how do you want to be remembered? You know, what do you want people to say about you? From the perspective of where you are now, do you think there are there is still the space and the opportunities for kids growing up on the East Peckham Estates? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. To break through in the same way? Or are there just different ways? No, I would say absolutely there are. Um, and I would say, if anything, here, yeah, more than ever, because of tech, I'm still trying to get my head around, you know, certain elements of tech and investing, but which is why I do want to put any of my investment efforts in, into that space. Because if it wasn't for tech, I wouldn't be here. But these kids now, what's it's so amazing for them is that if you've got a good product or, or any bit of interesting content, once it goes online, there's no telling where it could end up. I, again, like you know, I have Nigerian heritage. So last year, again, during the pandemic, there was all this weird content that was online. And there was this kid and he had like, he was in Nigeria and he just had like a little like boombox um, speaker type thing and all he was doing was rifting and toasting, rifting and toasting, just vibes, melodies. Within 24 hours, he had two to three of the biggest artists in the world, don't necessarily need to say all their names, but reaching out to him, texting him, reaching his uh, out to his manager to see if they could fly him over to LA, this and that and that and that. When I actually got to Nigeria, someone said, it happened so quick that the managers got so greedy and tried to lock him into the situation so quickly that it all fell on its face. But the point I'm making now is, is that it does not matter where you are from in the world. If you've got a camera phone and, and access to the internet, your life could change. When you say when you got to Nigeria, did you go to try and get this kid as well? No. Or did you just happen to be going? <laughs> yeah, I just happened to be going. I went for a different reason, but on going there, that he was mentioned and I was like, oh yeah, what happened to that guy? I do feel for this um, Gen Z um, uh, time that we're in now as well, because as quick as it can come, it can go. That's great. That's crazy, man.
do you, with all the things you've got going on, yeah. feel uh, that you must attend to the music as well? Will that always be a part of you? Always, it's the core, it's the central um, overriding force. It's the reason why I'm here. It's the foundation of everything, so always, always. Because it gives you a certain kind of joy? Yeah, because it gives me a certain kind of joy and I actually like to think that I am given a certain kind of joy and contributing a certain type of joy to the world. Most of my songs are feel-good records that you just need to be in the field moshing out. And yeah, you love a collaboration as well. Love a collaboration, love a collaboration. <laughs> Jess Glynn. Jess Glynn, Ellie Goulding, uh, Dizzy Rascal, um, Two Chains, Big Sean, J. Cole. Um, What's that about? Do you just like working with other people? Does yeah. it give you more pleasure than doing it by yourself? It gives me more pleasure and also it's that thing of like, when you come from a place where like, you just weren't considered or like, to get to this place where people want to work with you. Like, mate, I want to go into a studio with as many people, like whether it's Chris Martin, whether it's that, but I want to see how they work. That part of it is as exciting to me as like making the song. I don't know who listens to this podcast, but is there anybody in particular you haven't managed to work with yet that you uh, would like to work with? There's many, there's many people. But before I used to have this kind of wish list that was almost a hit list. But now for me, I think whoever I naturally gel with and connect with and resonate with, it, you could be like a new artist that no one's ever heard of. You could be Bono. Well done. Yes. Yeah. Have you reached out to Mr. Bono? He's sick of um, his own music, he said, so... Uh... <laughs> He's actually working with a friend of mine, actually, who I just collaborated with, called Martin Garrix. He's like a Dutch DJ phenomena that has been, like, popping since he was 16. He's, like, 25 now, but from what I understand, um, Martin produced... Because, you know, YouTube, they did the UA for Euro, so Martin Garrix produced that, and I think they're working with him now. So, yeah, maybe, you know, he's one degree of separation away, you never know. Um... <laughs> Now, we've still got steak heading our way. Oh, bring it on. Um, but for now, I will say, Tiny, actually, I've got to ask you, you dumped temper. I did, yeah. Any particular reason? Yeah, I just don't feel like it anymore. Yeah, I just felt like I wanted to be something different, slightly, slightly different. Well, Tiny, uh, all I want to say is thank you for letting me take you out to lunch. I really have enjoyed this so much. I should have, I should have put a nicer fragrance on for you. Uh, you, you smell delicious Thank you, here. thank you, Jay, thank you. <laughs> What a brilliant chat. Thank you so much to Tiny and to the place to be right now, Manteca in East London's Shoreditch. Their food is spectacular. I love it very, very much. Uh, if you loved the show, well, please do follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share, comment, and rate us. It really helps us to make more. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged, and performed by me, Jay Rayner, and Robert Rickenberg. The recording engineer was Josh Gibbs and the mix engineer, Gulliver Tickle. Assistant producers are Anya Das and Bethany Hocken. The producer is Selena Reem and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Next time, it's the brilliant chef, Angela Harnett. I remember once I did a big piece about why aren't there more women in yeah. kitchens and I interviewed you and you said, because they've got more sense. <laughs> Is that what I said? Yeah, probably. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career 
Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.